This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Green and Gold History. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is Ace Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. This episode of Green and Gold History is presented by New Era. New Era Cap is proud to be the official cap of your Oakland athletics. Next time you visit the Coliseum, be sure to drop by the New Era Cap stand and pick up your A's New Era Authentic Collection Cap. Remember, you can always visit us at neweracap.com to shop our latest selection, including our limited edition and exclusive drops. New Era Cap, the official on-field cap of Major League Baseball. So we are doing a top 10 top strikeout seasons in the history of the Oakland A's with a great David Feldman, A's historian. Feldy, it's great to have you on once again as our A's historian. We're talking about the best strikeout pitchers in the history of the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, we're talking about dominant strikeout seasons. As we know, strikeouts are more prevalent than they've ever been. But in the history of the Oakland A's, there have been some tremendous years for pitchers when it comes to strikeouts. All right, who is your honorable mention? So we're going to go the opposite way for the honorable mention. These are the worst strikeout seasons. Uh, I'm going to start with Mike Morgan. Mike Morgan, who was the A's first-round pick in 1978, right out of high school in Las Vegas. Five days after he gets drafted, he's making his major league debut. Charlie Finley said, let's get him up here. Hey, he literally went from the prom to Major League Baseball. Prom to Major League Baseball. I mean, it's unbelievable. And he makes his Major League debut. He actually pitches a complete game against the Orioles. Gives up 10 hits and three runs, but strikes out nobody. And he makes three starts in 1978, 12 and a third inning, faced 60 batters, struck out nobody. Uh, and now they start worrying that Mike Morgan's going to be a bust. He's 18 years old. He's 18 years old. He's pitching against men. Uh, he made a couple more appearances in 79, um, didn't pitch in the majors in 80. And by that time, Billy Martin traded Mike Morgan to the Yankees for Mike Stanley. And Mike Morgan went on to have a really long career in the majors. He pitched until 2002 when he was 42 years old. He even won a D-back, uh, won a world series with the D-backs. Bob Melvin was a bench coach in 2001. I mean, Mike Morgan starting at 18 and then lasting until you're 42 and having a great career. But that first, year those first three starts and no strikeouts it, it really like people don't understand and they should look at it like this guy literally left high school and immediately was in the big leagues like yeah. that is that it, it, it wasn't fair to him it, it i mean you go back and look at that it's crazy it is you know the rangers did it with david clyde in 74 it didn't work out the a's did it not only with mike morgan in 78 also tim conroy in 78 he was another first round pick Two weeks later, after Morgan, he goes right to the big leagues and makes his major league debut. And Conroy, who, and credit to him, worked his way back up to being a major league pitcher in the early 80s, but did not have the career that he could have had if he had actual seasoning in the minors. All right, who else you got? 
So a couple other guys who just didn't strike out anybody. Uh, Rick Langford, we all know the complete games, long career, but in 83, faced 112 batters, struck out only two of them. You talk about pitching to contact, that's pitching to contact. And then the, the great Tommy John in 1985, when he came to the A's midseason, he's already 41 years old, uh, he faced 221 batters with the A's, and he struck out only eight. He should be a Hall of Famer, by the way. You look at his career, and it, it does match up. And, and I used to be kind of against the longevity claims that a lot of guys had. But you start watching baseball long enough, now as I've gotten older, how hard it is to stay a major leaguer for as long as these guys do and to stay successful. You know, Tommy John was almost done in 85, right, when he came to the eighth. He couldn't, he couldn't strike anybody out. He couldn't get any out. He pitched three more years, quality years with the Yankees after that. Um, there's something to be said for that. Not even mentioning, there's a surgery named after him. I mean, he <laughs> changed the life of pitchers. Uh, talk about a contributor to the game. Has there been a more impactful contributor than Tommy John, having been the first to do that surgery? I mean, you think about it, you blow out your elbow, you're going to get a surgery, and it's named after you. Uh, I can't think you're kind of impactful in the game's history. 100%. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with Tommy John being a Hall of Famer. And we had him on the program. He talked about he has the most no decisions of any pitcher in the history of baseball. He literally could have won like 350 games. Yeah. No, it, it, it's true. And it has, for as long as he pitched, how effective he was, you know, yeah, he was a soft-tossing lefty for those last 15 years of his career. Last 15 years of his career. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Guys don't have careers like this anymore. It is really impressive when guys last as long as, as guys like – both Tommy John and Jim Cott, who I think should also be a Hall of Famer. Jim Cott pitched a long time and was an unbelievable fielder winning 16 gold gloves. All right, we going to number 10? We're going to number 10, and we're going to start off with really it's a three-way tie, and it's the three guys who are pitching right now, and that's Benaya, Montas, and Bassett. Um, and why I'm putting them together is we've never seen anything like this in Oakland. The top strikeout per nine, strikeouts per nine innings seasons in A's history, are those three guys this season. Sean Manaya is averaging 10 strikeouts per nine innings. That is the highest in Oakland Athletics. That's, that's the highest in Athletics franchise history. We're talking all the way back to 1901. Uh, Frankie Montas is number two at 9.97 per nine. Chris Bassett is number three at 9.18. Uh, that's unbelievable. In fact, they are the only three pitchers. In athletics franchise history, with strikeouts per nine, over nine. Uh, it is incredible. Now, yes, we are in a different strikeout era, right, where batters strike out at a much higher rate than they ever have before. Um, but still, to have three guys at the same time doing what these three, these three guys are doing, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a sad statement about our game, right? Well, it's changed. Now, the, the three true outcomes and strikeouts guys used to be embarrassed about striking out. You know, we've talked about this before the two strike approach and, but it really was, it was shameful to strike out. Now you're not giving up that third swing. You're swinging at the strike two pitch, just as you would at the, at the OO pitch or the O one pitch. It doesn't matter. So it doesn't have, doesn't have that stigma. Striking out is not as bad as it used to be, but what's impressive about these three guys is Montas goes after it. He gets the strikeouts with the splitter. Right, Manaya fastball slider, 
and Bassett's the true mix. He'll go at you with any pitch to get the strikeout. Um, it's just unique, and that's why it's so – I hate to say it, it's sad that Bassett, the injury to Bassett, has not come out for the last month, and, and who knows when it comes back, how good he was and how those three guys at the top of the rotation, big difference. Big difference not having Chris Bassett to go with the other two fellas. Number nine. Number nine is Jose Rio in 1986. Jose Rio. Jose Rio in 86 was 21 years old. And he was part of the Ricky trade from the Yankees. He originally came up with the Yankees when he was 19. He was a flamethrower. And we're talking back then where not every other guy was throwing 95 plus. 95 plus was a rarity. And Jose Rio was one of those guys. And he was, he looked taller and skinnier than he did as he got older. He filled out a little bit more. This time he was more of a whippet. Uh, 176 strikeouts in his 39 games, 26 of them starts. He set the Oakland record with 16 strikeouts versus the Mariners on April 19th. His next start, he faced the Mariners again, struck out 14 more batters. 30 strikeouts in two games, still an Oakland record for, for over two games. He had the single game, the two game record. Problem with Jose Rio at that point, he was still wild. I mean, he walked over 100 guys in 86. But the A's had not seen such a young, flame throwing right hander like they saw in Jose Rio in 1986. Would you classify him as one of the worst guys to get away and come back and haunt you in a World Series? Yeah, I mean, he made our list of guys that came back and haunted us. Um, and that was just making two starts and winning the MVP in 1990. But it was a brilliant trade. Right, the A's got Dave Parker, and, and Dave Parker was what the A's needed. They needed that that big left-handed thumper in their lineup to help split up McGuire and Conseco. And with his personality, he fit right in. And they go to the two World Series. A lot of that is because of Dave Parker. Um, he was just man, Cobra, fantastic player, fantastic personality, just perfect for that A's clubhouse. Another guy that should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Yeah, you know, those 70s, 80s sluggers, and there's some guys who just get kind of lost a little bit. Dave Parker shouldn't. I mean, you look at his RBI numbers with the Pirates and then with the Reds. The Reds finished second a lot of years in a row, and Dave Parker led them and runs batted in every season he was there. He was just a run producer. You know, that for me is like, you know, I I first start with – Sports for me started like in 79, 80. That's when I was like old enough to kind of remember stuff. Like I don't remember any of the 70s stuff. I was just too young. And Dave Parker was a dominant player. Dominant player. I mean, he was a, he was a five-tool guy, hit for average, hit for power, speed when he was younger, uh, the throwing arm. I mean, you've seen the highlights of the 79 yeah. All-Star game, throwing guys out of the plate. He could do it all. And he had that swagger. Uh, he had that personality. And it's just, He's Dave Parker. He wears a star, David, right? Because he's a star and his name's David. What's better than that? And I, you know, Willie Stargell was kind of old at the time, but you remember how great he was. And they beat the Orioles in 79. That's, you know, that for me is when sports kind of starts. It was like, it was like the the Steelers played the Rams. Remember Vince Ferragamo starting for the Rams? My, My first ever Super Bowl party was uh, Raiders against the uh, Eagles. Yeah. Super Bowl 15. I love that Super Bowl. Going way back. All right, number eight. Number eight. We're going to go to the bullpen uh, for, for a few of these next ones. This is 2009. This is Michael Wirtz. Michael Wirtz, out of the pen in 2009, in 78 and two-thirds innings, 102 strikeouts. 
over 100 strikeouts in relief. He had a devastating slider. And you think about Michael Worth, he wasn't a hard thrower. Right? His fastball was about 91. But the slider and the bite on the slider, and 65% of the time the slider was coming. And, it, you know, a lot of times one inning, it was nothing but sliders, but 102 Ks and only 78 two-thirds innings in relief. Wow. Yeah, I mean, those kind of numbers, that, that that's dominance right there. It is. And, and, you know, when you have a season where your pitch is just working, and we're going to talk about a guy coming up who kind of had the same sort of year, uh, it's just you can be devastating out there. You guys aren't going to touch you. Number seven. Number seven, this is kind of a bittersweet one. This is 2004, and this is Octavio Dotel. And I say it was bittersweet because coming to the end of the 2004 season, things did not go well for Dotel. But when they acquired him, they acquired him uh, you know, in June. They, they originally signed Arthur Rhodes to be the closer. That was a disaster. Uh, so part of a three-team deal that actually ended up with Carlos Beltran going to the Astros. The A's got Octavio Dotel, somebody they had their eye on for a long time. And he was very, very good for the A's, except for the last week. Uh, 22 for 28 saves, struck out 72 and only 50 and two-thirds in it. You talk about strikeouts per nine, that's a 12.7 strikeouts per nine. Uh, he was what the A's needed. Now we go to the last week, and it just has a devastating blown save in Texas. Uh, the A's were about to go three games up on the Angels with 10 to go. And he blows the game in the ninth inning. You still see Jermaine die, Jermaine die diving for a ball hit by David DeLucci down the right field line in Texas. I'm like, why is he diving? Why is he diving? It allowed a runner to score from first. I'm not bitter about this at all, believe me. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, they blow that game. Uh, they'll go up three with 10 to play. Instead, uh, the A's go four and six in the last 10. The Angels go seven and three. They win the division by a game. The Saturday, a must win against the Angels. Hotel gives up the go ahead single to Garrett Anderson, A's killer Garrett Anderson. But before that, before that, the strikeouts by Dotel is what you wanted out of a closer, a guy who just came out of the bullpen and struck everybody out. And what, it's, it's, it's he and Edwin Jackson. Have, don't they have the record for uh, most teams played for? Yeah, they're actually Mike Morgan, before mentioned, used to be with 12, and then Dotel and uh, Edwin are at 13, I believe. That's amazing. Can you imagine? I mean, you basically play for half the teams. Yeah, and yeah. I, I actually think it's pretty cool. I mean, you get to live in all these cities, and you get to you get to experience a, a lot of life in baseball. Yeah, and it means you're wanted. Right, teams want you. Yes. There's, there's something good about that. Yeah, maybe you didn't make it home. Maybe you're not Mariano Rivera and you spent your whole year, the whole career with the Yankees, but you were wanted by a lot of different teams because you had a talent that those teams needed. All right, what are we on? We on number six. Number six, and this is a few years ago, this is 2018, and we talk about a guy whose pitch was just working for him. That was Blake Trinan in 2018. Uh, 100 strikeouts in 80 and a third innings. Could go with a .78 ERA and the 158 opponent average, and only giving up two home runs. I mean, that 2018 season for Blake Trinan, when, again, his slider was working, right? And he could set it up with his fastball because he could throw everything for strikes. And guys were just, they couldn't hit it because he threw hard and the movement was spectacular. He was just a strikeout machine in 2018. What happened to him? Well, you know, he's kind of got it back with the Dodgers, especially pitching in more of a, a setup man role. Uh, it's not as consistent as 2018, but it's, it's really good. He had a game against the Giants when they were in town and 
he went one and two thirds and he was untouchable. That ball was moving again. I just think he has so much movement on his pitches. If it's just a little bit off, his release point's just a little bit off, it's not going to be a strike. Number five. Number five, we're going back to last year. One of the few times we'll mention a COVID-shortened season, but you have to. It's Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks last year pitched 25 and a third inning. He struck out 37. He struck out 40% of the batters he faced. That number is unreal. And he only walked three guys. So he's throwing strikes. He's giving you something to hit, and no one could hit it. 40% of the batters he struck out. Now, 2019, his strikeout numbers were off the charts, too. 124 strikeouts in 85 innings. Uh, 122 of those in relief, which is an A's relief record. But 40% of the batters he whiffed. Yeah, that's incredible. And he and, and he's not hiding anything. He's coming right after you, pitch after pitch after pitch. Yeah, he's giving you a chance. He's, here's my best stuff. Beat, beat me with it. And guys, don't beat him. Who's next? Number four. We're going back to some starters now. And there have only been four 200-plus strikeout seasons in Oakland A's history. And uh, Barry Zito in 2001, not his Cy Young year, the year before, he had 205 strikeouts and 214 in the third innings in his 35 starts with 17 and 8. Uh, he had five games of 10 or more strikeouts. Uh, 8.6 strikeouts per nine. Um, you look back at Barry Zito, he was so consistent with the A's. 34, 35 starts every season. 200-plus innings, 10-plus wins, 140-plus strikeouts. I mean, you could just write it down. That's how consistent Barry Zito was. But in that, his first full year in 2001, his curveball was off the charts that year as a strikeout pitch. Uh, you guys just could not hit it. Even if you knew it was coming, you weren't going to hit it. Uh, Barry Zito, 205 Ks in 2001. That's number four. Number three. Dave Stewart in 1987. Uh, first full season as a starter. Remember, he was released in 86 by the Phillies. The A's bring him over. Had a good end of the year. Tony made him a starter. Uh, but 87, now it's clicking in. He made 37 starts, 261 innings, 205 strikeouts. The first of his four straight 20-win seasons. And, and I actually, yesterday, in the studios here at NBC Sports California, I asked Dave Stewart about his strikeouts. And I said, so what was your strikeout pitch? Was it the forkball? Because, you know, that's what he was known for, this other thing, yeah. forkball. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He goes, fastball. I got my strikeouts with fastball. And I started thinking about it, and he's right. Because he used his forkball like a changeup. And that was the setup pitch. So he would get to two strikes with the forkball and then blow you away with the fastball, which we're not seeing different than Frankie Montas, who tries to strike you out with the splitter, right? Stu used the forkball to set up his fastball. Wow. Because, you know, when, when it, 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 obviously we were like all in high school at the time, but it, it wasn't like Stu threw 97 miles an hour. Stu was like a 92, 93 guy. I always, if you would have said to me, how did he strike guys out? I would have said it was the forkball because he didn't use a split finger fastball. He did the traditional forkball that he learned from Sandy Koufax. I would not say that D Dave Stewart was a flamethrower, right? No. I mean, he had a nickname Smoke, which means he did throw hard. But no, 
he wasn't known as that, you know, in the time of Nolan Ryan or J.R. Richard, right? One of these guys who was in the high nineties. No, he sat 92, 93. And it was so funny when I, when I asked him about it yesterday and I brought up, you know, football, he gave me that stare, gave me that death stare. Like, I'm like, Oh, what am, what am I saying? But yeah. Fastball. My strike fastball was my strikeout pitch. Oh, that is great stuff. And, uh, you know, one, truly one of the great big game pitchers of all time. Number two. And this is, you know, when, when Captain Cody brought this subject up to me, I said, I get to talk about this guy. And that's Todd Stottlemyre in 1995. Todd Stottlemyre? Listen, he had one of the best seasons for an A starting pitcher that nobody remembers, nobody even thinks about. He threw in that year, 95, his only year with the A's, 209 and two-thirds innings. He struck out 205. He was 14 and seven. He's the last A starter to go 10 innings in a game. And he did that against Kansas City in a game which he had 15 strikeouts. And this is where some of the bitterness is going to come out. So he's got two outs in the ninth. He's already struck out the first two at batters in the innings on three pitches each. It's a one nothing game. He is dealing. And Tom Goodwin comes up. Rookie Tom Goodwin, slap hitter, no power. This is going to be easy. Tom Goodwin jumps on the first pitch and hits his first career home run down the right field line tying up the game with two outs in the top of the ninth. I can still see it. It's brutal. Sotomayor is about to put the, the, the ribbon on his on the great start, and Tom Goodwin, of all people, homers. Even worse, so Sotomayor pitches the 10th, strikes out two more batters. The A's fail to score. The A's end up losing the game late. But Todd Sotomayor, that 95 season, he was so good. And what, you know, we hadn't seen a 200-strikeout pitcher since Dave Stewart. And Todd Sotomayor able to get 205. One of the great post-game interactions in the history of the game, John Schrader and Todd Sotomayor. Do you remember that? I do. I think you brought this up before. Yeah. It was, he flipped, and, and John Schrader is the nicest man ever. I worked with him for years. And Sotomayor freaked out on him. It's legendary. God, I, I remember that. And John Schreider is, I mean, I worked with John on the Tennessee Earthquakes game. We've known him for a long time. Yeah. He is just the nicest guy, salt of the earth guy from Nebraska. And yeah. now he's getting ripped on by Todd Stottlemyre. Yeah, he's, an, he's a professor at the University of Nebraska, but Todd Stottlemyre flipped out on him. It, we would play it all the time because it was like, this guy is a nut job. All right, number one. <laughs> number one, and outdistancing everybody as far as strikeouts. That's a fight of blue in 1971. And we talk about there only being four 200 strikeout seasons in Oakland history. Well, Vita had 300. He had 301 strikeouts in 1971. He pitched 312 innings. Let's that sink in. 312 innings, 301 strikeouts. And oh, by the way, he didn't lead the league in either of those two categories. Mickey Lowlich had 308 strikeouts in 376 innings. Oh, my God. 370. He made Mickey Lowlich like 45 starts. But Vida, that's the Cy Young MVP year, 24-8, 1.82, 11 games with 10 or more strikeouts. Uh, the only athletics pitcher to have more strikeouts in a season was Rube Waddell. He just went into the Athletics Hall of Fame. Uh, 349 and 302 uh, back in the early aughts of 1900. 
And you look at Vida's year. He made the opening day start in Washington. They sort a one-game opening series against the Senators. And Vida Blue gets rocked. He only lasts an inning and two-thirds, gives up four runs. The A's come back to Oakland. Vida gets his next start. Shut out baseball. His next 11 starts, 10-0, 0.96, strikeouts in 94 innings. Uh, so that was unworldly. Then his last 27 starts of the year, 14 and 7, 2.16, 206 strikeouts. Uh, just, I mean, Vita Blue in 71 was was everything. And to think about a pitcher having 300 strikeouts and 300 innings. And we've had Vita on the program, and he talks about how I he was just throwing fastballs. Yeah, I mean, he's just blowing people away. I mean, it's it, it's I mean. I wasn't even born yet, so I didn't see it. But I, I'm like, this guy was just – you want to talk about dominance where you get on the mound and go, I'm throwing fastball every pitch. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, the blue blazer. You know, and, and Vida kind of introduced himself in 70 when he threw the new no-hitter against Minnesota, a Minnesota team that had Harmon Killebrew and Rod Carew, Tony Oliva. I mean, you no-hit that team. Uh, you're You're doing some work, especially as a rookie. And then – to be able to follow it up with that 71 season where on the road, almost half the tickets bought to see a baseball game was to see Vita Blue pitch. And he was such an attraction. Um, he was, he used cover time magazine, uh, starting the all-star game. And his Vita Blue was as big as a pitcher can be in 1971. And he backed it up. I mean, MVP and Cy Young. Yeah, most kids won't, won't won't know this, but when you start talking about Sports Illustrated, Time Magazine, when you're the cover guy, it's a really big deal, and that's how big Vita Blue was. Buddy, great list. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Be safe. All right. Thanks, Tony. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.